Talk Recorded live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first edition of Knickknack News Radio right here on knickknacknews.wordpress.com through the Talk Shoe app. I'm your host, Nick Durst, and I'm also being joined by my co-host for this evening, JT Brown. John, how are you doing tonight? Good, man, good. Thanks for having me on. And if anybody wants to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Nick underscore Durst, and he is at SI underscore sports. So uh, an interesting story came up today for you, Mr. Tyler Durden. Why don't you share with everybody what happened with ADT? Uh, okay, so um, one of the things that ADT will do um, is they buy a list of, like, potential customers um, from people that just bought houses. And uh, me and my wife has recently moved to New Jersey, and uh, we purchased our first home. So they've been sending people to my door, which is, like, bizarre, but even more bizarre is they send them after hours. They send them at like 9, 10 o'clock at night. So one came yesterday and uh, rang the doorbell and uh, actually woke up my baby and my dog was barking. It was a real pain in the ass. So I went on Twitter and I said, uh, you know, what the hell, what are you guys doing? And um, so eventually someone from Custom Support, like, you know, sent me an email, but when they sent me an email, they said, dear Mr. Durden, I guess they've never seen um, Fight Club and didn't get the joke. Oh, geez. I mean, these companies are crazy. Um, I recently relocated as well. And uh, I always had Flyhost, and now I have Time Warner in the house on that. And Time Warner is just a terrible service. They, My channels don't work. My channels freeze. I'm off the phone with them like at least 50 times in the last three months. People keep coming to my house. They all say, oh, well, the contractors have to come and fix the wiring. And then contractors come and say, no, no, Time Warner has to do that. And they refuse to have a contractor come at the same time as Time Warner. The issue is yet to be resolved. I always call up, like, at least once a week, just, and they say, oh, we see your files here. We see everything is all, uh, we see what there's a problem here. We're going to send this to my supervisor to make sure he gets to it, but it never happens. So they're just terrible. And then one day, like, with the door-to-door salesman, some the guy came and rang the bell. He's like, oh, you want Time Warner? And we were like, we have Time Warner. And he's like, and we were like, we have issues with Time Warner. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm off tomorrow, but what I'll do is I'll personally call you at 8 o'clock in the morning. Never happened. It's coming yeah, up the same. Um, but let me give everybody a little bit of rundown out there listening to uh, what we'll be discussing tonight. Uh, as you've seen our site, uh, it's, it's all things. It's a variety show. We're talking sports. We're going to talk uh, politics, of course, Trump, Hillary. Uh, we're going to talk about recent news, pop culture with Sean King, Kanye West. And, of course, we're going to have some Oscar predictions because the Oscars are this Sunday. And around 9.15, we're going to have Brad Hopkins come in. He's up to come on. Brad Hopkins is a writer about MMA. He's going to talk about his upcoming USC review, uh, talk some Holly Hall and Conor McGregor. Uh, so, John, let's get right into here. I wanted to know, did you see anything, did you see news last week, the Grand Cruise, Rob Gronkowski's party cruise on the Norwegian Pearl, I believe it was, down to the Bahamas? I did, I did. And if you, uh, anyone follows me on Twitter, they'll see that I was just fighting with people. Um, so, a lot of, like, the dejectors or, you know, whatever, anti-Gronk people, which, listen, I'm not a Patriot fan, so I don't really have a dog in this fight, but the idea that the guy can't you know, have a good time and do what he wants out on a cruise is a little absurd. Like, 
this is like sort of like the second or third story you've heard about Gronk partying too much, which, you know, I, listen, the guy's not doing anything illegal. He's never been in trouble off the field. He's nothing but, no, there's nothing but good things on the field. You know, he's not a sore loser or anything crazy. He's not doing HGH. He's not murdering people like Aaron Hernandez. You know, is what he's doing like a little off-putting? Yeah, sure, but, you know, if you can give any random 24, 25-year-old man, here, here's uh, great looks, you're 6'4", every woman in the world wants you, and uh, here's $50 million. Have at it. They're going to do some crazy stuff. Um, you know, he's just kind of having fun. I really, you know, is it something I would do personally? No, but I'm not Gronk. You know, let him live. That's that's what I say about it. But a lot of people on Twitter write, hey, you can't do any bad, blah, 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 blah. Which, a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, upset Jets fans out there. But if he was not a Patriot, I mean, everybody loves him. He's a great he's a great player on the field. And off the field, I mean, he's just he's just living the life. He's, he's an awesome guy. I, I personally, I go on, I've been on a bunch of cruises. I love going on cruises. Um, apparently, the ship held about like 2,000 passengers. And only 700 of them knew that Gronkowski was going to be on the cruise. So they booked through the Gronk party cruise website to be on there. So what a surprise it must have been for the rest of the guests. Because you imagine, you know, just walking in and see these crazy people, Rob Gronkowski having all these parties and stuff. But, uh, I mean, it was, it, was, it was a pretty cool environment. They had a lot of live shows, Flow Rider, the guy from LMFAO. And a bunch of comedy shows there, but uh, the, the pictures and videos I saw from the actual cruise ship, uh, it just looked insane. Yeah, you know, um, I don't really see the problem with any of that. You know what I mean? Like, it's the off season. Um, you know, if they had pictures of Gronkowski, you know, snorting cocaine or doing something like, you know, illegal, then. Yeah, sure, be mad about it, but uh, I think it's more of just uh, the Patriots are really successful, and when you're on top and you're really right. successful. And he's never, he never, there's never an issue with him during this season. You never hear anything about him. So uh, there's really nothing you can complain about, unlike in the NBA, where these guys are just, you know, getting shot in the middle of the season. Uh, so that's pretty insane that things happen like that in the NBA. But have you noticed as of late, uh, in NBA games, especially in the fourth quarter, and you know, not watching too many fourth quarter games nowadays with my neck because they suck. But uh, they they're playing music throughout the quarter in the arena. Like, wouldn't that drive the players crazy? I don't. I don't. It's like takes away from the high pressure, intense moments of the game. There's music going on. Have you noticed that at all? No, you know, I've actually um, I've been to a couple of Knicks games so far this year. Unfortunately. Um, I watched them lose to Milwaukee and Orlando. Um, I didn't stay into the fourth quarter to to notice. Sorry, they were down by you know almost twenty, and I was like, all right, I'm I'm done watching this. This is this is a disgrace. And uh, I ended up going to one of the games that uh, Porzingis didn't even play, and I was very upset. But um, well, what a terrible game to go to. Yeah, I know. And, I mean, I feel bad for whoever went to the game this year when neither Porzingis or Carmel Anthony played. That was the worst game. You know, I know, I know that you you think that I'm just a mellow hater, but honestly, I don't like watching the guy play. I don't like his style of game. Um, you know, is he incredibly talented and a, and a great scorer? Absolutely. I just, you know, I don't I don't find his game um, particularly exciting. And you know, I think he's his. I don't know. I don't like ISO ball and you know, well, nice that he's thing, nice. What's up? The thing about Carmelo is. 
they're like 0 and 8 without him this year. Uh, so I, they're definitely better with him. You don't have to like him, but I think they're better with him. Uh, but like you said, he's not an exciting shooter, but Sona is an exciting shooter. Is Jimmer for death. Uh, with the TV fire at the Westchester Knicks, they call him up for a 10-day contract. First game, doesn't play. I don't know what the point of that was. Second game, Knicks are getting blown out by like 30, going into the fourth quarter. Kurt Rambis must have had orders from Phil Jackson. He didn't put Jimmer into the game until one minute left. So he comes into the game off the timeout, inbound play, catches the ball, three-pointer. The crowd's going nuts. It was like the most exciting thing in months. Why don't they want to play Jimmer Fredette more, let him start? Him and Jerry and Grant need to play major minutes. There's absolutely no reason at all for Jose Calderon to still be playing. Absolutely. I completely agree. First of all, Calderon's not going to be here anymore because he's a 1,000 years old. Um, it was a bad move bringing him in anyway. You know, um, as far as draft picks go, our draft picks go into Toronto – so who cares? This should be essentially a D-League where you're letting these young guys play real minutes in the NBA so that next year when we move some pieces around, we get actually something good on the court. You know, oh, what's the difference between if we win 24 games or if we win 33 games? Nothing. Who cares? Play the guys that are going to be impactful in the future. You know, I don't want to see guys who are gone. You know, I understand the idea is they want to, like, you know, show guys, you know, play, you got you to gotta earn your time, blah, blah, blah. Bullshit. You know, if you're talented in the NBA, you know, actually I kind of think right now that this is a, like a bad time to be an NBA fan because the, the good teams are so good and the bad teams are so bad that a lot of basketball becomes unwatchable. You know, like if any game that's not Cleveland, Golden State, San Antonio, OKC, you know, well, I guess the NBA, the NBA uh, is just – it's a joke because there's only, like, one or two teams you know each year are going to win. There's never any upsets in the, in the playoffs. Having a seven-game series in the first round is too much. If it's a five-game series, then, you know, the under the eight seed wins or the lower seed wins in the first game. There's intrigue. Wow. You know, two more wins, they're going to advance. But, no, in the seven-game series, like, you, I can tell you right now, the Warriors are going to win the first round. The Spurs are going to win the first round. The Clippers are going to win the first round. The Thunder are going to win the first round. Those are the one, two, three, and four teams. They're not going to lose a seven-game series in the first round to those freaking Sacramento Kings, who are a disaster. Exactly. Um, my problem with the NBA is I think it's the salary cap because, you know, there's no parity in the league, and they're like, oh, salary cap brings parity. Look at the NFL. But it's a different animal because unlike the NFL, which is such a team sport, you know, outside of quarterback, there's not really any position that's really that important. But the NBA is literally how many superstars do you have? Okay, you have more superstars, chances are you're probably going to win it all. You know what I mean? So if you got rid of the salary cap, you, you could stop having teams that are just good because of ping pong balls, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Speaking uh, of which, I, the I, Knicks could have gotten Steph Curry. I 100% agree. The, the salary cap is not good for basketball. And if it didn't exist, the New York Knicks would have won many championships in the last few years because Dolan would have spent as much money as he wanted. You think LeBron was going to go to Miami when Dolan was going to open the checkbook and say, here's a blank check filled out, come to New York. And obviously, uh, you, know, you don't like Melo, but Melo and LeBron would have drawn a lot more talent and the Knicks would have probably won a championship 
Uh, for everybody listening out there live right now, we thank you for that. If you want to call in and chime in on anything tonight, feel free to call in at any time. Dial one seven two four 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 seven four four four. Then you're going to enter the call ID, which is one four zero six one eight, followed by the pound key. And for those of you listening on the podcast right now, we thank you for that as well. And one more time, if you want to call in to talk anything tonight, dial one seven two four 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 seven four four four. And uh, right now we do have a call on the line. It's uh, Brad Pocket. Uh, so Brad, uh, thanks for calling in. How are you tonight? Hey guys, thanks for having me on. And hey Brad, what's going on? Why don't you let everybody out there know uh, where you've written for? Oh, right now, well, appreciate that. Um, right now, I'm writing for uh, MMA Mania and just covering the UFC, Bellator, uh, the sport of MMA as a whole. We've got a lot of good coverage there, and uh, it's a great place to uh, get your news from on Fight Night. We've got all the previews you need and interviews as well. All right, that sounds great. And, uh, Brian, I know you're on here for uh, we're going to talk MMA, but I know you're a big Drake fan. You used to look like him with your beard. Um <laughs> What did you think about Drake being at All-Star Weekend but not performing at the halftime show? Did that make any sense to you? It's me. I didn't understand it at all. I knew it was in Toronto. That is pretty lame. Uh, I think you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, if you're going to have his presence looming over All-Star Weekend, you think he'd perform. He's one of the biggest uh, stars, not even in music, but just in pop culture. I mean, the guy is wearing, like, a jacket dedicated to Kobe. I mean, biggest NBA fan. You think he's going to, like, you know, live it up, have some fun, but no. Um, he's just there high-fiving players, having fun with Kevin Hart, doing, like, a, some crazy thing with, like, with Reggie Miller beforehand. Yeah, I guy should have played ping-pong or something, right? Yeah, they had a ping-pong tournament. How are you going to have him playing ping-pong when you have him, like, leading the billboard charts? It's just, like, crazy. Terrible. I mean, I don't know about you, JT, but I can't stand Kevin Hart, and he was all over All-Star Weekend, and I was just like, enough with this guy already. He's a midget. I don't like him. Not that he's midget, but it's just enough with him. He's just all over the place. He's not funny. It was just terrible. (laughs) Hey, you Uh, can't say midget. I know. Well, let's take that back then. But he's a, he's a, he's a small guy, you know, a important giant, all right? So uh, let's move on here. Uh, so, Brad, the, the big MMA news uh, yesterday happened. Uh, why don't you let everybody know what, what the situation is going on with the Conor McGregor strike? Right? <laughs> well, Conor McGregor is always in the news, very colorful UFC fighter, the featherweight champion. He's going to be fighting... Nate Diaz now at welterweight, which is 170 pounds, 170 pound division in the main event of uh, the next pay-per-view, UFC 196, on March 5th in about a week and a half. So what happened was an unfortunate event, which happens quite a bit in the UFC, an injury occurred to his opponent, and it was part of a super fight. He was fighting the lightweight champion. He was fighting for the lightweight belt, attempting to become the first UFC fighter to hold two belts simultaneously. So what happened was the champion, Rafael Dos Anjos, uh, lightweight Brazilian champion, broke his foot uh, two weeks before, tried to let it heal, didn't. So the news came out uh, Tuesday morning that he was going to have to pull out of the fight. Um, although although he won't need to have surgery or anything like that, he still needs, I think, around like four to six weeks to heal. 
So that's the big story. They went to a few different candidates to replace him. Not many people could step up and take a huge fight like that on a week and a half notice. They went right. with. So what's the, like, how does that? So they got Diaz to replace him. Has he been just training for no reason? Like, he's not really. He hasn't been training for a fight, right? Isn't he not going to be in fight shape? Well, if you talk to a lot of these fighters, some of them will give you the cliche answer and be like, you know, I'm always in the gym. I'm training year round. This and that. Well, Diaz, he's always in phenomenal shape. Um, for one, he's a vegan. Not sure what that means, but he's a vegan. He's a health nut. Um, so does... Prince Fielder, and he's like 400 pounds. But... <laughs> <laughs> so is Bill Clinton. Yeah, I don't know what he's eating, but um, he's, uh, he's a vegan. He's also doing um, triathlons. He's very in-shape guy, uh, always riding his bike, things like that. Um, but the thing is... Um, he had fought recently, fought in December, won his fight, so he's been in the news. So going to him was always a viable option. So not only did he win his last fight, uh, and he won in pretty, uh, in, in pretty impressive fashion, it wasn't a knockout, but he pretty much ran away with it, um, he called out McGregor in his post-fight speech, just giving like, a verbal lashing, all censored, because it was on Fox, and it was on Fox, unfortunately. So, you know, the kiddies at home weren't allowed to hear it. If it was on pay-per-view, they would have. Very, very uh, colorful rant. Um, so there was drama there. So they went to him. There was a few other candidates they could have went to. Frankie Edgar, um, he's on a winning streak in the featherweight division, really wants the Connor fight. He's the money fight. Um, didn't well, that's, get probably the... why, that's probably why Diaz called him out, because he wants the money, and that's why he said, oh, I'll take this fight on a week notice, because it... even if I get my ass kicked, I'm going to be making millions. Exactly, and that's something that his brother did once, too, when he fought. He came out of retirement, came out of his little lull off the sidelines and fought the, the great Anderson Silva, made half a million dollars or so, probably even more in sponsorships. But um, they went to several candidates. They chose Nate. There was drama there, so that was all good. That's going to be the main event. Now, do um, you think, before we get to the end of the card here, do you think Diaz has any shot to win? As far as him actually winning... I think it's interesting, but I, me personally, I don't think it's going to end well for him. Um, they're both southpaws, which means they're unorthodox. Um, they lead with their they lead with their right hand, and um, so that will throw a new wrinkle into it. Um, Connor's actually fought southpaw before in Dustin Poirier in the featherweight division, so he's he's even been a boxer before. He fought amateurly uh, over in Ireland, so he's experienced fighting southpaws. So when it comes to Nate, Nate is also a boxer. Um, he's a counterpuncher. He's kind of like an he's kind of an aggressive counterpuncher. He wants he he's going to move forward and he wants you to react to it, and then he's going to strike. They're both similar, but Connor, he's although moving up in weight, which is odd. I still think he's going to be the stronger fighter, more intelligent. You can't knock his impressive track record. He beat the pound-for-pound pound best fighter in the game in Jose Aldo in 13 seconds, knocked out the guy before that for the interim title in Chad Mendez uh, in two rounds, fought through a lot of adversity in that fight. Great fight. He's a phenomenal oh, fighter. So, so you're, going with, you're going with McGregor. Uh, JT, I'm guessing you're going with McGregor because he's Irish? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. All right, I, I I feel like Diaz is gonna put up a good fight. He looks and he looks really ripped, and he looks like he's a lot taller than McGregor. He's definitely not intimidated. 
No, definitely not, because today at the press conference, McGregor talked for 40 straight minutes, cursing him out, and Diaz didn't even switch. Uh, so, Brett, tell us about the rest of the card, or the bigger matches on the card. The co-main event um, is going to be Holly Holm, the women's bantamweight champion, facing now two-time title challenger Misha Tate, who uh, is previously known for fighting and being a perennial rival of Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey, on the other hand, hasn't been seen much of a well, let me backtrack, has been seen much, has a cover of Sports Illustrated, has been an SNL hosted one night. So she has been getting herself out there from that vicious defeat she took from home back in November before I think it was 55,000-plus people in Australia, record-setting UFC event, totally got embarrassed by a former pro boxer who no one thought had a shot or was deserving of a title shot against the the indestructible Ronda, the immortal Ronda. But no, she got clobbered all over the cage. Her coach was criticized for being a terrible cornerman, giving her the absolute worst advice. And she goes and gets knocked out, repeats the same thing she did in round one, gets knocked out via vicious head kick in round two. And then she's the butt of everyone's joke online, everyone's meme. It, it's hysterical. Um, so with that being yeah. said. Well, I'm gonna, I wanna get, we're going to get to the rematch, but uh, Tate has no shot, I, I would say. I'd say Holmes did knock her out. Yeah. What do you think? So Tate. Oh, yeah. So Tate. Tate. She's fought for the title before, and she's fought great competition. She fought Ronda Rousey, obviously. But now that you kind of see that home is coming into a league of her own, it's it's hard to argue against that. She will be the favorite going into the fight. She stopped Ronda Rousey for crying out loud. So she is going to be she's going to be the favorite. Tate, though, her key to making the to winning the fight is making the fight ugly, like making it a wrestling match, turning it into a grappling match, not really standing in front of her. Right. Okay. And now the rematch, which I think, you know, they're going to try to do it if possible for UFC 200, from what I hear. Uh, that's going to be the biggest fight in the history of MMA. Uh, R- Rousey versus Holm. Uh, that's going to most likely break the UFC 100 pay-per-view record with Brock Lesnar, and it's going to, it's going to shatter the fire rate. Uh, do, do, do you agree? That's the fight that everyone wants to see. So with that being said, I think it will. Um, But just on a side note, I think that they say that about every fight. I think that people are going to want to see Ronda get revenge. They're going to want to see her come back, get on her high horse, and and come back with something new. They know that what her previous, you know, judo, take them down to the ground, get the arm bar, that doesn't seem like it's going to work against home. Home for crying out loud, took her down. Home took, I think everyone, I think that's what everyone missed. I, forget the highlight reel knockout. Home, who has no, gra- like very little grappling experience when you just compare it to Ronda, who fought in the Olympics and won a bronze medal, took her down. Like, forget the head kick knockout. I think that was what was most impressive. And I think that's going to be very appealing. I think it's going to be a huge fight. Home, you know, whether she gets past Tate or not, likely will face Ronda at some point. Um, if it's at UFC 200, great. Uh, Ronda's still, you know, she's got a movie to film. I think that date also got pushed back. She also has been recovering. She's got hurt. She got, like, you know, hurt in the mouth. I'm not sure 
what more she's recovering from. Just mentioned she considered suicide. So obviously right. she's, you know, wounded emotionally as well. So there's a lot more on Rhonda's plate that she's going to have to figure out before she comes back to, to the octagon. Well, let's hope she gets back in there. Everyone wants to see that fight. Uh, before we let you go, Brad, though, any takes on CM Punk being getting injured and his first fight, which has been hyped up for three years now, is pushed back? Well, CM Punk, you know, Joe Rogan just said it, the UFC commentator has no business fighting in the UFC. But, you know, I'm going to produce the counter-argument. And I say that I happen to disagree because I think that, hey, why not? He can fight in the UFC. Um, although he hasn't had an amateur fight, he has yet to have his pro debut, which will, will come against, um, the, I think he's 2-0 and now. He's 2-0, and Mickey Gall. Um, was found, he won his UFC debut, he's going to fight Punk at a later date after Punk, I'm not sure if it was his back, I forgot what he injured, maybe his back, but so his fight uh, in the UFC is delayed, you know, I I think that he, they're they're having him fight fair competition, so I don't think that they're... The thing thing is, he's in the UFC because they know they're going to make some money off of him, uh, he's yeah. probably going to get his ass kicked the first fight. He'll have a second match, and he'll be done, most likely. I mean, I, I think Gall, he's, he's ready to go. He, he wanted to fight. He's going to make money. They're fair competition, 2-0 versus an 0-0 guy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be a good fight, but I think I think it's fair. I think he should be in the UFC. He's facing fair competition. A guy who's like two and zero. Okay, see see what Punk can do. He's obviously been a fan. He's also trained in jujitsu even during his time in WWE. He's a fan of the sport. We'll see if that translates to success in the UFC. All right, Brad. Uh, thanks for calling in. We appreciate your time. Thanks. Take care, guys. Thanks, Take it easy. All right, uh, JT. Well. Uh, Want to get your take here real quick? Uh, you think Ronda Rousey is ever going to, you know, make a full comeback, or you think she's going to just go into movies? You know, the whole UFC thing is a little, uh, a little crazy to me. Um, you know, first of all, she's the most popular fighter for a couple of reasons, and obviously, being a fighter is one of them. But the fact that she's, you know, very attractive is is definitely number two. Um, I could sort of see it going down the Brock Lesnar road, like. She did the champion thing. She got, you know, notoriety. Now she's going to do movies and Saturday Night Live and stuff like that. Um, as far as her losing that fight, um, I wasn't that surprised, surprised, only because it's fights, man. I mean, they call it a puncher's chance for a reason. You, you really never know. Um, she got, you know, she really wasn't prepared right, you know, or whatever, but, um, hey, shit happens. <laughs> yep, I, 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 could see, I could see her going into wrestling, WWE. I can see her doing that. Makes some serious money. Uh, people might not like wrestling, but it's, it's a very profitable business. You know, it's not very mainstream, but it is, you know, they do well, and they've been doing well since the mid-'80s. So, you know, you, you can knock it for being ridiculous, but you can't really knock it for not being successful. No, and, it's, uh, very, it's a very sustainable business. Uh, and like we said before earlier in the show, uh, if you're listening live, thank you, and it's what I call on for in the conversation about anything you want, and the dial-in number is one seven two four 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 seven four four four. Then enter the call ID one four zero six one eight 
followed by the pound key. Uh, we want to thank you for listening if you're listening live. And if you're listening on the podcast, we want to thank you for that as well. Uh, changing gears here now a little bit. Um, as we all know, the primaries and the caucuses have been going on. Uh, the ca- caucus, for those of you that don't understand what that is, like I didn't at first, it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Uh, you go in a gym at 8 o'clock at night with your whole community, and you're screaming at each other, and uh, most people in a corner, that's who the vote goes to. Uh, if it's a tie, it comes down to a coin flip. Now, uh, I don't know what's going on, but I think Hillary Clinton may be hired by NFL teams just for coin flips because but, she never loses coin flips. She sticks an L on the coin flips. So uh, to add on to that ridiculousness, if, you know, you, if anyone trusts Hillary out there, you know, I got a bridge I want to say. Um, the New York Times actually did a thing where they embedded in their story a little – you know, it was sort of like a gift that you could hit and it would roll, it would flip coins. And then it would show you the likelihood of you getting all heads. Um, it was very unlikely. But this makes it even less likely. She wasn't only heads. Sometimes she was heads, sometimes she was tails. The chances of her winning that are like one in like 150,000 that, that she'd win every all six of them. It's just, that's nonsense. It's just, you know... Obviously, who, who decides if she's heads or tails? Like, it's just a caucus is just the stupidest thing. Just go in the booth and make your vote. Whoever has the most votes wins. And do you know, technically, um, they could just, the, the party could ignore the, the caucus and just pick a, you know, they, they'll never do that because, you know, voters would be mad. But, you know, the RNC could just pick Rubio, even though he hasn't won a state. Technically, they could just say, oh, no, he's our nominee. Well, here's the thing with Rubio. Every time he speaks, it's the same speech. Oh, I was Cuba, and nothing against him. You know, he could be a great president, for all I know, but he, he has the same speech. On, on the other hand, I mean, pretty much every other candidate has a different, in the Republican side, has a different speech every time. It's yeah. a little more creative. Rubio uh, has a couple things going, going against him, which uh, isn't good. A, he's a little bit monotone. He's not really charismatic. He's not Bill Clinton. He's not Obama. He's not George W. Bush. Those guys are all, like, there's something human and likable about them. I don't like Obama, personally, like, politician-wise, and I don't like Bill Clinton either, but you can tell that they take over a room. They're a personality. They're charismatic. You know, like, Bill Clinton still got it. Like, if, you know, he could run, he could probably win this election in a landslide. The Hillary robot, she's not charismatic. She's not likable. She's not relatable. She changes her opinion at the flip of a coin. You know, the only person in this entire race that I can really see that's likable is uh, Donald Trump. But they say the part of your brain that has love and hate are right next to each other because people either love Donald Trump or they absolutely hate him. There's nobody in the middle. Well, the Trump train is rolling right now. It has left the station. And its final destination is the White House, and there's no stops along the way. It's not going to be stopped. I don't, I don't see anybody defeating him at this point. How do you feel about that? What is well, your opinion? Well, um, i got to tell you that he's the GOP candidate. He's won three states in a row. His poll numbers are you know, outrageous, which is crazy. He's actually getting more people to show up to these caucuses and vote. The voting in um, Nevada – 
was actually double turnout from the last presidential election. So he's not only is he getting Republican votes, he's actually getting Republicans to come out and vote. And it's, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, being outrageous is sort of working for him. Now, I like Donald Trump, and I like him for a bunch of reasons, and none of them are sort of the showmanship reasons that he's popular right now. I like him because he's, he's socially liberal, but physically conservative, and that's exactly how I am, you know, and that's why a lot of the base doesn't like him, but the GOP base is so far away from the middle, they can't get elected anymore. You know, you got guys like Ben Carson saying that dinosaurs missed the fucking Noah's Ark. And then you got guys like Ted Cruz, born in Canada, talking all this crazy nonsense about the Bible. Like, that's their base or whatever. But that's not the normal person. That's not even, like, even remotely toward the middle. And as the GOP keeps pushing this nonsense, you know, they're anti-gay marriage and anti-abortion, blah, 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 blah. Like, listen, the average American has moved on from that. It's been, like, a generation. They're done with that. They don't want to hear about that shit anymore. Fix the economy. That's and that's exactly what you know. I think Trump's going to do. I think Trump's going to leave all the social shit exactly where it is. He's going to fix immigration and he's going to fix the economy. Well, a, a local New York celebrity uh, gave his opinion on this. Uh, let's take a look here. I think as we get close to the election, absolutely, uh, we'll put people up. I didn't want to do it for the primaries on this type of show, and I told you all along I I did think Trump would win. I didn't think it would be easy. So there you have it. I uh, hope you all hear that. Mike Francesa saying, you know, Trump's going to win. So uh, who knows? Some of the Mongols might be influenced just by him himself. But uh, we really, I think the best thing for America, because the main issue I would say right now is the economy, is get a businessman in there. I mean, all these candidates are all, they're all, they all have to play towards these billionaires that are giving them money. Trump's giving, he's funding his own campaign. And as he said many times, uh, he wants to make America great again. It's a great slogan. I don't even know what Hillary's slogan is. Uh, what is it? Party like it's 1999. Get another Clinton in the White House. Uh, but I, I just, I think they need a businessman because, like you said, we're so in debt to China, and he can negotiate. He's a good negotiator. Uh, I don't think he'd be feared negotiating with anybody. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think one of the so like if you actually look at any of his actual like his tax plan or where he stands on issues the media really just jumps on him for they, they call him a a woman hater and be a racist and they just go on and on and on and then so what it happens is the, the media paints with this wide brush oh he's a racist and a woman hater so whatever else comes out of his mouth must be nonsense and he's just crazy he's a wacko but if you actually look at it donald trump's not a racist and he's not a woman hater he's actually the complete opposite he treats everybody equal. And, you know, for a long time, his number two was a woman. He doesn't care about what's between your legs or the color of your skin. The only thing the guy cares about is results. You know, he's, the only, only people he's prejudiced against? Losers. That's it. If you're a winner and you're a hard worker, he's all about it. You know, so the idea that, oh, he's a racist because he wants to build a wall. Listen, the fact that he's trying to keep other people out of America has nothing to do with race. Listen, you don't lock your front door at night because you hate everyone on the outside. You lock your front door at night because you love people on the inside. You know, people that aren't American citizens don't, they're not like, I'm not part of this globalization nonsense. Syrian refugees, I feel bad for them or whatever, but like, 
it's not really our problem. We shouldn't, you know, America shouldn't ruin our own society because these guys, you know, it's just, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. It, I, I, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't say, uh, I don't think Trump's racist. He just, he's, he's all about the American people. Uh, most, you know, it doesn't matter the race, a lot of people like him, but, um, Someone that is a racist is Sean King. He's racist against people, even though he's white. Oh, my God. Don't even get me started on this guy. So this guy is – so anybody out there has been – you know, basically has a Twitter account. You've seen the Jason Whitlock fucking Sean King Twitter war, which is hilarious, by the way. Um, So a little background so people don't know who Sean King is because – He's a fucking, uh, he's a hack. So a lot of people don't know who he is. He's a white guy um, who pretends to be black. And he started a couple of different charities and collected a bunch of money. And then he got involved with Black Lives Matters. And um, then somebody did a little digging and found out, hey, he's stealing money from these organizations. And then after that accusation, he gave some money back or some nonsense. But it was basically just died right there. So when this story broke, people were like, hmm, Sean King, he looks awful white. So they did a little bit more research, and boom, his mother and father are both white. And his rebuttal to this, which is such a terrible, like, social justice warrior nonsense, just the way that they fucking portray facts, quote-unquote. He, he releases this big, long story that he writes up, and he's a terrible writer, by the way. He has terrible grammar. It's just all fucked up. Um, about how the man on his birth certificate as his father isn't his biological father. His mom told him that, he, that she had an affair. But, 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 his mom's sick, so let's not ask her about it. Oh, shut the fuck up. Like, just shut, that's not, that's not, that's not true. I mean, this guy, I, I can't say it. I don't like Jason Whitlock, but I've pulled Jason Whitlock for going after this guy. And I listened to their whole interview, and it was just stupid because Sean King was like, I may be lighter skinned than you, but I'm blacker than you every single day of the week. Like, he, this guy has to turn everything into race. I don't think any person in America or the world, which were maybe some really extreme racists, would say, oh, you know, like if somebody gets, if a, if a black person gets shot, like, yeah, whatever. Nobody's going to say whatever if somebody dies. Nobody's going to say, oh, well, black lives don't matter. The fact of the matter is, all lives matter. Stop trying to make everything a race, a race thing. It, it doesn't make sense. These people that, people that are getting shot, uh, which, you know, it's very unfortunate, but if you're looking at a lot of these things, some of these, a lot of these people that are getting shot have criminal records or they were doing something wrong that the cops were even in their vicinity in the first place. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, these things ended up being fatal, but uh, it, it just doesn't make much sense as to how you could defend somebody who was charging at a cop or something like that uh, and trying to attack him, and then he gets shot because he's trying to attack cops. How are you going to defend that person who got shot and then say, oh, well, you know, screw that, screw police, when they're trying to just keep people safe? Oh, yeah. So, like, Sean King is essentially... You know, he's Al Sharpton, except he's not actually even black, which is – he's a worse than Al Sharpton. So he's basically like a living, breathing clickbait. He just race beats. He finds stories that have a white versus black, and then he just fires up one side. 
and he disregards facts and timelines. He just mushes it all together. And you know what? The Internet is literally filled with them. Go to temple.com, click on anything. It's just crazy, people. The difference is that this Sean King guy has been called out. They've found out his story. But because in America, if you get labeled as a racist, it is the worst thing you can get labeled as. So everyone's sort of like, yeah, he's not black, but ugh, do you really want to go there? Because it'll become a big thing where you know you, they'll disparage you over it. That idea that it's just it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. So they he pulled if you anyone goes on his Twitter account. Um, you know, I'd advise you to go there to look at his nonsense. Don't go to dailynews.com because then you're just feeding the monster that they are because they literally print anything because they are literally just clickbait. They're just spam um, at this point. You know, well, they're, just they're got, going, they're, they are going out of business. They're going to be obsolete. So they figured, you know, let's get this controversial guy in here. So, you know, like you said, go clickbait so we can make some money on ads on our way out the door. Absolutely. They're going under, and as they're sinking, they decide to get journalism and just toss it right out. Um, but So he, he cherry-picks the stories, and then even when the stories don't fit the narrative, because uh, the black man was armed or you know they can prove that he was attacking the cops, whatever it is, they immediately just turn into a race thing. And then you know, and then it just gets people fired up. So for an example, what recently got me, so I've known about Sean King for a while, but I, I basically just ignored him, figured he was just a crazy person. What really got me riled up the other day was he wrote an op-ed about a sexual, um, sexual misconduct, maybe sexual harassment suit that got filed against Peyton Manning in 1998. Everybody knew about it. It was some bullshit thing. He writes this fucking story. It's complete bullshit. He twists things. He he quotes things that aren't right. He just basically makes it into this big thing where white power and Peyton Manning and Archie Manning are racists. Like, just whole nonsense. Whole story. First of all, the story is 20 years old. It's been out in the media forever. All of a sudden, he just gets it. He spins it, and the Daily News runs it. So I'm on Twitter that day. I'm reading shit like every other day. And these fucking idiots on Twitter, they, they see the headline, they click on the story, they read this gerbil bullshit that he's a, ter- he's a terrible writer. And they go, oh, Pink Man's a bastard, blah, 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 blah. Like, you can tell the guy has an axe to grind. In the first two paragraphs, he talks about how the media is, is, is being down on Cam Newton. So he's, he's so mad that fucking Cam Newton was Super Bowl that he goes and tries to just, just tarnish Peyton Manning. And then he quotes on his citations is court documents. Let's walk through that. So I was arguing with people on Twitter all day over this. Court documents. So the plaintiff is allowed to submit documents and they can say a fucking blue dragon climbed out of his ass. That's now a court document? This never made the trial. They never even did a findings. So there's none of this court documents, all these statements, none of them were even verified. If you go to NFLProTalk.com or Fox Sports Talk, there's been a bunch of people that have written articles where they debunked him. And that's where Jason Whitlock sort of got involved. But one of the, the pro football talks is a really good one. They get Sean King's piece of shit article and they break it down every single thing that he says and just disproves it. Because it, it is. It's nonsense. And then 
he like stretches and stretches and tries to make it that Archie Manning and Peyton Manning are racists. A sexual assault allegation that got proven not not for not real. He mooned her. That was it. There was no contact, no nothing. He just showed her his ass twenty years ago between a white man and a white woman. He just he makes that racist. The guy can make anything racist because that's what he is. He's a con artist. Well, exactly. I mean, the whole story has nothing to do with race. Uh, but this, this story, now, I'm just suspect of Sean Kang. He's everything that's wrong with America. But, I mean, Peyton Manning, he's, he, I don't think he's, you know, the greatest guy in the world like everyone thinks he does. He is. But I want to know why his wife was getting HGH shipped to their house. What is she HGH for? Well, that story still didn't. Everyone gave a pass on that because he's Peyton Manning, but it should be looked into further. Well, I actually read the Al Jazeera story, and I'll tell you right now why that story had no legs. Because Al Jazeera America was going under, and they just got the story that had no actual facts, that had nothing to it, and they ran it. Once again, another failing media source that decided, hey, we're going under. Fuck journalism, we'll just try something. And the story didn't get legs, and like literally two or three months later, they announced that they were going under. So, you know, that's sort of like the, the death throttles of a media outlet. Um, they looked into research. They actually, um, there's a really great article. I'm trying to think it was the Bleacher Report or one of those, you know, the online sports things where it's, so it's a steroid, right? Oh, steroid. It's um, cortisone, which is in a lot of different women's face products. that like, it's an anti-aging type thing but it's something that you can buy over the counter. So essentially they got something that they could have ordered off Amazon Prime and uh, said there was X, Y, and Z in it. And then, oh, Peyton Manning must be doing steroids. In reality, it's some fucking old lady cream for his wife's face so that she doesn't look like a fucking baseball mitt. Well, I mean, uh, that could be, uh, you know, like, like I said, the story really didn't go much because uh, Al Jazeera, you know, there's nothing really credible there that we could really point at. But last I heard, the NFL was investigating. Uh, somewhat, you know, these sites are going crazy just, you know, trying to make money that, or they're trying to shut down quickly. But someone else who has gone totally crazy is Kanye West, who is just on these ridiculous Twitter rants. And it comes out last week that he's $56 million in debt. Well, I wonder why. Because he just released a new album. And he said, I refuse to sell the album. It's not going to be put on iTunes. No one's going to be buying my music. They put it on, like, one of those sites where you can illegally download it. So, I mean, does he not see the correlation there where if you're giving away your music for free and you're also, you know, and you're also making terrible fashion lines or whatever, like wasting all this money, uh, and you have two houses, but you're living with your wife's mother, because, you know, he's trying to sell you other houses. Does he not see where he could have gone broke? Well, he's another one of them. I think he's, like, smart, stupid people. So he's purposely doing that Tides nonsense, um, probably because he's released other albums, and nobody buys music anymore for the most part. You know, the music industry is failing. And it's because, listen, I, I paid, paid X amount of money for a physical CD, you're trying to charge me the same amount of money for nothing for downloads. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to steal it. Um, mm-hmm. Or I'm just going to listen to Pandora. I'm not even going to download it. A lot of people don't even steal music anymore. Internet radio is so great that they just listen to it there or they watch it on uh, YouTube. They listen to the song and they rip it from YouTube. 
Um, so this is like a ploy. It's all nonsense. You know, is he in debt? Probably. He's probably MC Hammer. Him, he threw money to that fashion line, and it didn't work. Um, failed business. And if you remember, actually, about last year, he fought with Jimmy Kimball over that. Uh, yeah. Jimmy Kimball did a skit on him. Mm-hmm. And then, and then he came on Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel actually couldn't even get to his other guests. So the whole show was just Kanye West and Jimmy Kimmel speaking. It was it was very it was very good TV. Uh, but switching gears from TV to movies, this Sunday is the Oscars. You know, everyone's gonna be all about the red carpet and whatnot. I don't really care what people are wearing. So most of these people, you know, they don't dress too well, especially like. The things like the Grammys and stuff, the musicians, the rappers, they don't know how to dress at all. But uh, what we're going to do right now is we're going to run through some of the categories and uh, give our predictions. So we'll start off with the, uh, which will be the last award given or right. Best Picture, the nominees are The Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max Fury Road, The Martian, The Revenant, Room, and Spotlight. I personally haven't seen any of them. Have you seen any of those movies? Um, I've seen most of those movies. So I've seen The Martian, I've seen The Revenant, and I've seen The Big Short. I haven't seen the other ones. Um, okay, so, I mean, my, my pick, uh, I would either go with Spotlight or The Martian, but I think The Revenant is probably the favorite. Is that correct, do you think? Um, you know, I don't know. Only because The Revenant was a very good film, but it was sort of like an art film. And what I mean by that is action-packed. He fights a bear. It's a really, really cool movie. And the cinematography in it is phenomenal. But the, there's not a lot of lines. <laughs> a lot of the movie is just, um, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio in the woods by himself. So Grunting you know, and trying to survive bear attacks. Yeah. It, and listen, it is shot awesomely. And um, he does some crazy shit. And I was actually reading that uh, he got, like, pneumonia and stuff during filming. So, like, he really went all out, and uh, he did this. He should win Best Actor. But Best Film, I don't know. Like, I liked it, but I don't think I'll ever watch it again. You know, it was one of those. Um, the Big Short was really, really good. I really liked The Big Short. I'll watch The Big Short again. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to vote. I don't think it's going to be The Martian, even though The Martian was really good, and uh, the book's actually well, really fun. I, I want to see The Martian. And it's funny, in the previous award shows, The Martian was nominated for, like, Best comedy. It's not a comedy. And Matt Damon won Best Comedic Lead Actor. It's not a comedy at all. So I don't know um, how that came about. That was just crazy. With that. I think it was the European the Screen Actors Guild or the European actually, Foreign Press or something. I don't know. It actually kind of is a comedy. So the movie itself is very serious. Um, I'll give you a little synopsis. So he's in the first man mission to Mars. Um, there's like five people, him and his team. Um, a storm comes and a piece of debris hits him as they're trying to get to the spaceship to get back, you know, off Mars to the storm so bad. Um, the team leaves him because they think he's dead. Turns out he's not dead. Yeah, you probably knew that from the, the things. Mm-hmm. What, what makes the movie a comedy is Mark Watney, the main character. The way that he sort of deals with being by himself is he kind of, it's like a dark humor to it. Like, he, he he's actually pretty funny. Um, the funniest part I liked is when uh, he finally figures out a way to communicate with Earth, Earth again. And uh, he curses during the thing. And, uh, you know, NASA says, hey, everyone on Earth is reading what you're saying. Watch your language. And then he just, like, types boobies. <laughs> the the uh, movie's I so... Mean, I know there was some funny parts 
But, I mean, when Matt Damon accepted the award and the director, they're like, I don't, we don't know how this is a comedy, but I, mean, I, I guess it's very possible. So, I guess, so, so who would be your pick? Or you, you're not really sure. Because it's, it's um, tough. I have to see how the people are going to go. I'm going with The Big Short. That's my I, what I think was the best film, but I, I don't know what the, you know, who knows what Hollywood's going to do. Uh, I mean, I think the spotlight might have good shots. It's like a real, real story. Uh, a big short of a real story, too, but the spotlight was like basically how they were covering the story. Really messed up stuff, but uh, I, I really wouldn't, I think, I wouldn't be surprised if any of these really, I heard Room was also a really good movie with Brie uh, Larson and the kids stuck in there because she was kidnapped as a kid. That seemed really sick. But, uh, well, we will see Sunday. Um, and then moving on to the Best Actor Leading Category role, I think Leonardo DiCaprio has finally got a win for The Revenant. The other nominees are Brian Cranston for Trumbo, Matt Damon for The Martian, Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs, and Eddie Raymond for The Danish Girl. Uh, I don't think he should be nominated because uh, I don't even know, I never heard of that movie. And also, the thing I always find strange is how someone who's playing a girl could be nominated as Best Actor. It's someone who was playing a guy as a girl could be bad out for Best Actress. So Eddie Raymond's playing a woman. He should be nominated for Best Actress, in my opinion, as weird as that sounds. But uh, those are the picks. Who do you think is going to win? Um, I actually think that it's going to be uh, Leo this year. I think he's going to break through. Um, his before, First of all, he's basically the only person on screen. So he carries, like, the entire film. And uh, mm-hmm. he's really good. Like, he's really, really good. Uh, I think this is it. I think he's going to win it. I think this, he's going to break the fold, well, and that'll be he, it. He, def- he definitely deserves it. Uh, he should have won for the Titanic, and that was a long time ago. And that he could have won for, for Wall Street as well, but he also did not. So uh, he definitely deserves it. So we're in agreement there. Uh, moving on to actress, best actress in the leading role. Kate Blanchett for Carol. Brie Larson, Brie Larson for Room. Jennifer Lawrence for Joy. Charlotte Ramping rampling for 45 years, and some name I can't pronounce, Sayorit Ronin, I probably said that wrong for Brooklyn. Uh, first, I want to just say Jennifer Lawrence, I'm so sick of her, Bradley Cooper, Robert De Niro teaming up every year to do the same movie, change the name, and then get nominated. So, luckily, uh, I don't think Bradley Cooper was nominated for anything for this movie, but I don't think that's going to win. Uh, I, think, I think either Kate Blanchett might win, or Probably in the lean with Brie Larson for Room because she's just a messed up story and it just takes place in a room most of the time. What are your thoughts? You know, I don't know. I haven't seen any of those movies. Um, so I'm not really sure. Um, I don't think Jennifer Lawrence is going to get it only because they've given her some stuff before. Um, mm-hmm. So they, you know, that actually kind of gets worked into it. They always kind of, they try to like not, unless you're really just killing it. Um, right. You know, Kate Blanchett. I don't know. I, she hasn't really. I don't know if she's ever won one. Maybe they will give it to her. Yeah, it could be. Uh, moving on to the category, which I am most looking forward to: uh, best actor in a supporting role. We got Christian Bale for The Big Short, Tom Hardy for The Revenant, uh, Mark Ruffalo for Spotlight, and Mark Rylance for Bridge of Spies. But I think the winner is going to be. Sylvester Stallone from Creed, and then when he ends his speech, he should say, "Yo, Adrian, I did it." That's how he should walk off the stage. Who do you think's gonna win in that category? Um, the Big Short, most likely. Um, so Christian my, Yeah. Um, my problem. So a lot of people. Listen, I saw Creed. I liked Creed. 
Um, and a lot of people online are like, Creed should win this and Creed should win that. Listen, Creed's not going to win anything. I hate to break it to you guys. This is the reason. It's essentially Rocky Seven. Um, before I saw the movie, I knew what was going to happen. You know, it's very much, it, it hits all the, the regular tropes, you know. Mm-hmm. Young kid, old man, now Rocky was the kid, now Rocky's Mickey, and now, hey, Mickey died in Rocky, remember? Oh, yeah, now Rocky's dead. Oh, no. Like, um, listen, it was an entertaining movie. It was a really good boxing movie. I, You know, I thought um, the young kid, what was his name? I thought he got in really good shape. Michael, and he B. Actually, Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, I think he actually looked like a boxer. Like, he got into, you know, that was really cool. Um, it was probably the best boxing movie I've seen since Rocky. Uh, but it is, it's the seventh movie in a trilogy. You know exactly what's happening. Um, Sylvester Stallone looks like, uh, looks like a fucking caveman. Uh, he, needs to, he needs to stop doing steroids. Um, nah, I don't, think, I don't think they're winning anything. I don't think, they, I don't think you know, snobby Hollywood people like, uh, like, Rocky Seven Creed. <laughs> well, I mean, he was he was definitely good in that, but uh, we'll, we'll see Sunday who wins. Um, moving on to uh, Best Actress in the Supporting Roles, we have uh, Jennifer Jason Lee from The Hateful Eight, which I did not see, Rooney Mara from Carol, which I did not see, Rachel McAdams from Spotlight, which I did not see, Alicia Vikander from Danish Girl, which I did not see, and Kate Winslet from Steve Jobs, which I did not see. Now, my problem with the Steve Jobs movie is, I think two years ago, Ashton Kutcher made the same movie, and he was Steve yeah. Jobs. So I don't know why that movie had to come out again. That movie was pretty good. just wasn't really hyped up. Uh, this, as, far as, this, as far as this category goes, I think Rachel McAdams is the favorite. I think she's won the previous shows uh, on the way towards the Oscars. Uh, what, what do you think? So um, that's I actually did see the the uh, original Steve Jobs movie. So that's actually something that happens in Hollywood. It's called the twin movie effect. What happens is I have a screenplay, I bring it to a studio, and they're like, "Yeah, let's make this movie." And you're like, "Hey, give me five million dollars," and they're like, "Fuck you." And then what they do is they get your idea, they go to some other writer, and then go, "Hey, write this movie about this." And then now you have two movies that are made about essentially the same thing. Um, so that that's that's why there's both movies. So you know, obviously the movie doesn't need to be made. Secondly, I don't understand the, the like cult, like obsession with Steve Jobs. Like, who Apple does? I know. I mean, I, I read the Steve Jobs movie. So. Yeah, honestly. First of all, Steve Jobs asshole, terrible father. <laughs> Secondly, oh, yeah. uh, prior to the release of the iPod, Apple was fucking sinking. Their operating system was going out the fucking window. And, like, I understand that the iPhone and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, a lot of the stuff that he did, he was taking credit for. He's sort of like the Thomas Edison of our time, where it's a name that everyone remembers and sort of puts all these accolades on. But in reality, he kind of had a couple of good ideas and stole a bunch of others. For a great example, Microsoft had a tablet in, like, 1999. Four or five years later, Apple's like, boom, iPad, what's up? Fucking eight hundred dollars, and people are camping outside to buy it. You know, rather yeah. than it's ridiculous. I mean, Steve. Uh, I think it was, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel. He did on the street when they announced the launch of the iPhone 6s, and he was like yeah. showing people. He was showing people like the first iPhone, and he was saying like, "Oh, if you have the first iPhone, this one's free." And people like, "Oh wow, you see, Apple really does care about their customers. Can't wait to get this new phone." Like he was showing it to their face, and they just couldn't. 
They didn't realize he was messing with them. Yeah, that's a, that's one of my favorite skits. It's called Lie Witness News, where yeah, they go out good. and make people lie. Um, you know, I think Steve Jobs should be remembered not as a tech mogul, but as a marketing genius because he was able to market Apple as this alternative, blah blah blah. And if you saw the first Steve Jobs movie, like you could like show he physically never made anything himself. He always had someone else make it. He just marketed it and wanted to sell it. Yeah, listen, the guy a marketing genius, absolutely, because he got an inferior product and he made it successful and then he sort of pivoted that and you know he never really got quiet he kept grabbing and kept grabbing and bringing people in and you know eventually it worked out um it's a shame that he's dead or whatever but in reality do we need two fucking movies about this guy like <laughs> you know i i like, that was one of those movies that was like didn't they release this already and i had to go oh they just remade this why <laughs> yep let's try blah the rest of the categories you know, who really cares? Someone wants to find a chair involved with them. Um, so just to, we're going to wrap the show here before we drive away. Uh, would it make sense to not talk about, you know what, for this is car. Did you see that thing? What are your thoughts? <laughs> I did, and then I saw his car again today. Hey, that's another one of those things. He's sort of like the Colombian Gronk. Listen, the guy's having a great time. He's a young dude. He makes a ton of money, and he's great at what he does. If he wants to buy exotic cars, have at it, man. Buy them up. He must have spent a good majority of his paycheck for this next season to $27.5 million on just cars, which is just well, crazy. But if he got the money and you want to do it, go ahead. At least cars hold equity. So, like, worst-case scenario, he's going broke. He can sell the cars. You know, Kanye West has, like, fucking leather jogging pants that he designed. Hey, good luck selling those, asshole. Right. And you we have to realize about... Uh, is he grew up in Cuba, so he was probably starving all the time. He had no money, and all the cars there are like cars from the 1950s in the United States. So if the guy wants to uh, enjoy himself, get, as long as he's getting there to the stadium, you know, I'm fine with this. The first car with the three wheels is a little dangerous because there's no doors, and I don't want him getting an accident after a Mets fan story happened in 2006 with Daniel Sanchez in a cab, which led Eric Brown to blow the season in the playoffs. But nonetheless, happy sets for this is back. Hopefully he has a monster season, and he plays uh, up to the potential of the contract, and he wins MVP, and the season ends with a Mets World Series win. Yeah, I'm hoping, man. Yep. All right. So that's going to do it for our first ever show here on nicknacknews.wordpress.com via the TalkShoe app. If you're listening live, we thank you for that. And if you're checking out the podcast right now, thanks for listening as well. Uh, JT, thanks for your time. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right. Good night, everybody. Take care. All right. Good night.